Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 and verse 17. The scripture says, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Would everybody say with me, the time of the promise. Come on, let's say it together. The time of the promise. Hallelujah. Then verse 18 says, Till another king arose which knew not Joseph. The same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they may cast out their young children to the end they may not live. I want to preach for a few moments this morning on the time of the promise. The time of the promise. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I feel your anointing in this house right now. I feel your presence in this place right now. I believe that there are promises uh, getting ready to be fulfilled in this place. I believe, God, you're getting ready to renew passion. Uh, I believe, God, you're getting ready to renew purpose. Uh, I believe, God, you're getting ready to touch us and change us, uh, that we never be the same again, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, let your word go forth with the power and authority with which you have given it. And I'm asking, God, you let it reap your intended result uh, in this church today. In in Jesus' name, would you say amen? amen? Amen. You may be seated. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. Amen. We preach the whole counsel of Scripture. We believe that every word that's in this book uh, was breathed by an almighty God. God. Uh, amen. It's a book that is multifaceted. Uh, it has a lot of different dimensions. Uh, if you like poetry, amen, there, there's chapters in this book or there's books in this Bible devoted to poetry. Uh, if you like Proverbs, uh, if you want those quick and easy Twitter-sized bites of wisdom, uh, amen, they're there in the book of uh, uh, the wisdom of Solomon or they're there in the, the Proverbs, they're there in the book of James, Amen. If you want to read parables or, or biographies, uh, all of that's contained within this word. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. I love this book. Uh, amen. I, I, I read a lot. I'm a prolific reader. Amen. I, I, I'd be ashamed to tell you how many books I read in a year. Amen. But I come to tell you, I don't read a book twice. I, I just don't like to pick up a familiar story and read it again, because I already know how it's going to end. But this book, this book I can't get enough of. Uh, this book I can't read enough of. Uh, this book, every time I open it up, uh, the Word becomes brand new. Uh, I'm praying that God will give you a passion uh, for the Word of God this year, uh, that He'll settle it in your life, that as you begin to read, and if you don't have one of these bread charts, you need to get one and take it home with you, that when you begin to read and you begin to get into the Word of God, uh, that it would develop within you a passion uh, for His Word and for His presence. Uh, amen. You better love this book. It's the only thing standing in between you and hell. Amen. It's also in a profound importance to us this morning. It's a book of promises. 
Peter wrote to the church in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 and said, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Uh, I come to tell somebody in this house uh, on a Sunday morning we've been given uh, exceeding great uh, and precious promises. Uh, amen. There are approximately 33 thousand promises uh, in this book. Uh, 30,000 statements uh, that God has made concerning you and your life. Uh, statements like uh, are, con are, are conveyed in Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4 which says delight thyself also in the Lord uh, and he shall give thee the desires of the heart. Uh, Matthew said, uh, uh, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God uh, and all all these things uh, will be added unto you. These are promises. Amen. Psalm chapter 37 verse 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, uh, he shall not be utterly cast down uh, for the Lord upholdeth him uh, with his right hand. Somebody needs to hear in this place uh, this morning the steps uh, of a good man uh, are ordered by God uh, and even when he makes a mistake uh, and even when he messes up uh, and even when he falls down, uh, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. Amen. Though he fall, he shall not be destroyed. But the hand of God is going to pick him up. We have this vast treasure of promises that are exceedingly great and precious. Yet often we live as if they have no impact on our lives at all. When the Blackfoot Indian tribe in southern Alberta gave the Canadian Pacific Railroad permission to cross Blackfoot land with a railroad line from Medicine Hat to Calgary, the great chief of the Blackfoot tribe was given a lifetime railroad pass. Anytime he wanted to ride the railroad, he didn't have to pay any money. He didn't have to go meet with any officials. He had, a, he had a signed and sealed document that said that any time he wanted to ride for the rest of his life, uh, he could ride that railroad. History says that he put that pass in a leather case and he carried it around his neck for the rest of his life. But he never one time used it. Sometimes... We're like that with the promises of God. We know they're there. We even have some of those stored away in our heart and in our mind. We memorize them and we know that in an emergency, uh, the promises of God will be there. But when trouble comes, uh, we always seem to find another way. Uh, whenever disaster strikes, uh, we always try to solve it uh, on our own. Uh, I don't know what kept the Blackfoot chief uh, from using the trains, uh, but maybe it was a lack of faith uh, in the promise that he'd been given. We know from history that the many promises that were given to the American Indians were virtually worthless. That none of them, they, they, very few of them lasted beyond the moment in which they were spoken. They were not as good as the paper upon which they were written. 
Unfortunately, that's the way it is sometimes with men's promises. Some are kept and some are not. Some are reliable and some are worthless. The problem is with our definition uh, of what a promise is. Amen. As a culture, we've got this idea of promise uh, all messed up. Uh, we live in a culture that judges each new president on the basis of how many campaign promises he either keeps or breaks. My friend, that's not the way a promise uh, is supposed to work. Uh, promises uh, are a guarantee. Uh, they are the assurance uh, that he who promised uh, will deliver on what he said he would do. Uh, they are the assurance uh, that he that promised is able and willing to do what he said he would do. I'm standing in this pulpit on a Sunday morning to remind you that God's promises are yea and amen. His word is reliable. Amen. What he said he would do, he will do. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 encourages us to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And then it gives this reason. Uh, for he is faithful that promised. Uh, he is faithful that promised. Uh, can I tell you a promise uh, is as only as good as the person who's given the promise. But when it comes to God, he that promised is faithful. He that spoke a word over your life, he's faithful. He that gave you purpose and direction, his word is as good as he is. Let me tell you how faithful he is in 1 Kings chapter 8. Beginning a reading from verse 56, it says, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise. There hath not failed one word. God has never given one promise that he didn't keep. God's never given one promise that he didn't fulfill when his word word leaves his mouth. Uh, the scripture tells me it's forever settled uh, in heaven uh, and it will not return to him void uh, because every word of the Lord will accomplish its purpose. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of a man that he should repent. Hath he said... And shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken? And shall he not make it good? Whatever God says at any time on any subject, honey, you can take it to the bank. He's not a man that he should lie. He didn't mess up when he called you. He didn't mess up when he spoke purpose over your life. He didn't make a mistake when he put his hand of anointing on you. What God said he's going to do uh, he's well able to do he never forgets his promise he never changes his mind he never backs up on his commitment 
He always remembers. Uh, we were singing the song this morning. Uh, remember, oh Lord, uh, your promise. Uh, that song comes from Psalm 105, uh, which tells us uh, when God's time came, uh, he remembered the promise uh, that he made to Abraham. Uh, 400 years after Abraham was dead and buried, uh, hundreds of years have passed, uh, but God hasn't forgotten his promise. In all the record of Scripture, among all the 30,000 promises that are contained therein, there is not a single place where God ever failed to deliver on His Word. There's not a single place where God ever failed to bring His promise to pass. Listen, honey, there may be broken promises in politics. There may be broken promises in relationships. There may be broken promises in the workplace. But there are no broken promises in this book. Everything he said he's going to do, he does. Uh, everything he promised uh, comes to pass. Uh, amen. There are no forgotten promises. Uh, there are no neglected promises. Uh, amen. He remembers every single one of them. And they are every one of them absolutely certain. But here's the thing. There's some under the sound of my voice this morning. That God has made you a promise at some point in your life. You felt a calling. You felt the direction of the Lord in your life. And God has spoken better things over you than where you're living right now. And I come to this pulpit uh, on a Sunday morning uh, to remind you uh, that God has not forgotten uh, his promise. Uh, God has not forgotten uh, what he said he was going to do. I know a lot has passed uh, in between then and now. I understand that there's a lot of water under that bridge. Uh, and you may think the places you've been uh, and the things you've done uh, have irrevocable change those things uh, but I come to tell you on a Sunday morning uh, that God's promises are still yay and amen uh, what he said he's going to do he's ready to do the thing that you have to understand about the promises of God is that every promise has an appointed time when God gave the promise to Abraham he had a specific moment in mind. There was an anointed season. There was an anointed time when the promise was going to come to pass. There would be years, centuries that would take place in between the giving of that promise and the fulfillment of that promise. But 400 years of slavery in Egypt were no surprise to God because those things had to come to pass before the promise could be brought to fruition. Listen to me, somebody. You let the devil convince you that your present situation, that your present circumstance nullifies your promise. But you need to hear the word of the Lord in this house on a Sunday morning. Uh, the time of your promise uh, is drawing near. Uh, the time of your promise uh, it's approaching right now. Uh, you're standing in a season uh, that was ordained by God. Uh, you're standing in a place on the calendar that God saw years and years and years ago. 
God always waits for his time. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 said, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons uh, when the fullness uh, of time was come. Uh, amen. Space and distance uh, did not diminish the promise of God one bit. Uh, amen. All the stuff that had transpired uh, didn't change the promise of God one bit. Uh, there was a time appointed uh, when the fullness of that time came. Uh, God brought his promise to pass. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. The prophet prophesied and said, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Afterward. After what? I can tell you after what. After the cross. After redemption. After the resurrection, after the ascension, the book of Acts says it this way in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, amen, when God's time got here, they were in one, all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, when the day was fully come, uh, when the time was brought to pass, uh, when God came into that season uh, that he had foreordained from the foundations of the world, uh, when God came into that season uh, that it's spoken of over and over, over again in prophecy when the time of the promise came he brought it to pass every promise has a time every promise has a season sometimes we get frustrated because we try to lay our hand on a promise before it's time Sometimes we get so, uh, we, we wear ourselves out and run ourselves in circles uh, trying to figure out why the promise uh, hasn't come to pass yet. I come to you with a word from heaven. Uh, your promise has a season. Uh, your promise has a time. Uh, amen. God's getting ready. Uh, he's not backing up. Uh, he hasn't forgotten. Uh, he's going to do what he said he would do. Amen. Every promise has a time. And every person has a promise. Amen. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the men and women who were gathered there were convicted in their heart, and they cried out, saying, Men and brethren, what must we do? What do we have to do to make this right? What do we need to do to be saved? In Acts chapter 2, and verse 38, and most of you can quote it with me, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the next verse is the important one. It says, For the 
promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Every person has a promise. God has promised you deliverance from bondage. God has promised you liberty from sin. If you'll believe and obey his word, he's promised that he'll bring his will to pass in your life. Amen. The promise has a time. It has a season. And when God gives you a promise, you better hang on to it. You better not let it go. You better not judge the promise prematurely. Don't give up on a promise uh, that hasn't come to pass yet. Uh, don't give up on a promise uh, that hasn't come to fruition yet. Uh, the promises of the Lord are forever settled in heaven. Uh, the creator of heaven and earth, uh, the maker of every moment, uh, the ancient of days, uh, he will bring his promise to pass in its due season. And that time is forever settled in the plan and purpose of God. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Say an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. The promise doesn't lie, my friend. Wait for it. Amen. Wait for it. Some of you have given up too soon on a promise that God's spoken over your life. Some of you have walked away too soon from anointings and callings and purpose. God's spoken better things over you. You need to shake yourself this morning and recognize that the time of your promise is drawing near. But here's the thing. Stephen tells us in Acts chapter 7 that when the time of the promise came near, God allowed adversity to rise up against the people of God. It was only as the time of the promise drew near that another king arose which knew not Joseph. The meaning there is either that he was ignorant of who Joseph was or more likely he preferred uh, to forget about Jesus. Joseph. Uh, he ignored the legacy of Joseph, uh, Joseph uh, because he was afraid uh, of the Hebrews. Uh, the account in Exodus tells us that he realized uh, that the Hebrews uh, were more and mightier uh, than the Egyptians were, uh, and he was afraid of them. Uh, he was afraid of their prosperity. Uh, he was afraid of the blessings of God that were on their life. Uh, so he dealt with them treacherously. He set slave masters over them. He oppressed them. Yet they continued to multiply. The worse he made it, the more blessed they seemed to be. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12 tells the story. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. 
Egypt was grieved because of the children of Israel. I want you to stop this morning and consider something that maybe you hadn't thought about uh, in a long time. Uh, hell uh, is grieved about you. Uh, hell uh, is worried about you. Uh, hell is afraid uh, of what God could do with your life uh, if you weren't so distracted uh, by the labors of day-to-day -day living. Uh, hell understands uh, that if you weren't so caught up uh, in the temporal uh, that you lose sight uh, of the eternal. Uh, God would do great and mighty things with your life. And hell is worried. The problem is you're too satisfied. You've settled for where you are. You've settled for what you have. You've settled for the place you're living in right now. And hell will do everything to keep you there. Hell will do everything it can uh, to distract you away from your destiny. Uh, to wrap you uh, in the mundane tedium uh, of this present life. Uh, to wrap you up uh, in the bondage of this world. Uh, hell will do anything it can uh, to keep you from your prayer life. Uh, hell will do anything it can uh, to keep you from reading the word of God. Uh, hell will do anything it can uh, to make church uh, the most inconvenient part uh, of your life. Uh, why? Uh, because hell's worried about you. Uh, hell's You've got a promise uh, on your life. Uh, God has spoken better things uh, over you and hell recognizes uh, that when the time of the promise comes, uh, he's powerless to stop you. So hell will do anything he can to distract you away from your destiny because he understands what you haven't grasped yet. If you ever rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost, if you ever renew that anointing of God on your life, all the power of hell can't contain you. He doesn't have any answer for God's promise on your life. So he distracts you and he burdens you and he does everything he can to keep you ignorant of the fact that the time is approaching. The Egyptians were ruthless. They made their lives bitter and harsh. They robbed them of the joy of living and wrapped them up in trouble and turmoil. Yet somehow the blessings of God were still multiplied. Hell couldn't stop it. The frustrated king ordered the midwives to kill every male Hebrew child that was born. But the midwives feared God more than they feared their king and they ignored the orders uh, of the king and in the middle of adversity God blessed the Hebrews and finally the king ordered them to cast every male child uh, into the Nile River uh, it was a time of terrible tragedy uh, it was a time of terrible suffering uh, amen but my Bible says uh, in that time uh, Moses uh, was born uh, in that time uh, the deliverance came in that time when the enemy turned up the heat when it got just as bad as it could get in that moment God said now now's the season now's the time it was almost enough to rob them of their hope almost enough to extinguish their feeble faith but the thing that I want you to see
is that adversity was part of God's plan. When the time of the promise drew near, God let the adversity happen. When the time of the promise drew near, God let it come into their lives. I've got a message for somebody in this house uh, on a Sunday morning. God knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows where you are. He knows what you've been through. He knows the conversations you've had in secret. Uh, he knows the thoughts you've had that nobody else knows about. He knows the pain and he knows the despair and he knows stories uh, that none of us will ever know. Uh, amen. God knows what's going on in your life uh, and he sent me to this pulpit to tell you on a Sunday morning he's still got a plan uh, and he's still got a purpose purpose uh, and he still got a calling uh, and he still got an anointing uh, and all the fire and fury and hell doesn't have the power to stop or derail his plan watch this God uses the adversity to turn his people back to him under the terrible treachery of the taskmaster's whip, the Israelites began to cry out to God for deliverance. Sometimes you give the devil too much credit. Sometimes God invites trouble and chaos into your life, into your home, into your marriage, into your workplace, into all the stuff that matters to you. Sometimes God lets those things come in because they're the vehicle that delivers you to the time of your promise. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. Think about it for a minute. They cried out to God because of the taskmasters. They turned their heart to God because of the trouble and the turmoil. They were comfortable to let life rock along. They were ready and willing to settle for life in Goshen instead of life in the promised land. But when the time of the promise drew near, God let trouble and adversity come. He let the taskmasters come into their life because the taskmaster sent them to the knees. They called out to heaven. Some of you are wondering why in the world you are where you are. Why in the world you're facing the things you're facing. And in your quiet moments when you're all alone, you wonder where things went wrong. Where did we take a wrong turn? Where, where did our direction change? <laughs> You're looking for solutions. You're looking for you. You're trying to reason it out in your own ability. You're trying to reason it out in your own. You're making plans. Uh, amen. You're laying out flow charts. Uh, you've got this thing figured out. Uh, you think you've got a solution. You think you can plot a course. Uh, amen. But it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Why? Uh, not because hell uh, is delighting and destroying you, but because God is saying, uh, I've got better things for you. Uh, I've got a better calling for you I've got a better purpose for your life the thing you think was brought to destroy you 
the thing you thought was brought to ruin your marriage, the thing you thought was brought to bring you low, God allowed it to come into your life to provoke you to pray the very prayers that will usher you into the time of your promise. I want you to know nothing happens in your life by chance. Where you are right now isn't an accident. You may think you were in charge. You may think you made the decisions. You may think that it was all your plan. Oh, but you got another thing coming, honey. Amen. God knows right where you are. He's plotted and he's planned and he has a purpose and he has, a, he has an anointing. Amen. Where you are isn't an accident. My Bible tells me even the devourer answers to God. Even the taskmaster moves according to his will. The devil can't even do anything to a child of God before he first goes before the throne of God and gets permission. God's not ignorant of what you're going through. No, my friend. You need to, I, I feel so strongly in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying right now. You need to put everything else out of your mind. You need to let this get through the clutter of your life. Uh, amen. God's pushing you into your prayer closet. God's pushing you to a place of desperation. Uh, God's pushing you to a place where there's nowhere else to turn. He's shutting you up to faith. Uh, amen. Because it's your desperate cry uh, that's going to release the promise of God uh, in your life. Uh, it's a cry of desperation uh, that's going to turn loose the hand of the anointing of the almighty God I come to tell somebody in this place this morning the time of your promise is drawing near God hasn't forgotten the things he said what he promised he's well able to perform the time of your promise is here listen the Egyptian king dealt treacherously with the children of God because he recognized what they did not yet know. He saw what they couldn't see. He was more aware of the time than they were. He recognized that the time of their promise was near. He had enough foresight to see if I don't crush them, if I don't destroy them, if I don't distract them, if I don't wrap them up and tie them up and tangle them up in all the cares and entrapments of this life, they're going to cast off the heavy yoke and I'm going to be powerless to stop them. I want you to know hell understands something about you that you haven't even realized about yourself yet. The time of your promise is near. Amen. The time of your promise is near. And when the time your promise draws near, the devil always multiplies his effort to, to get you to abandon your future. And you wonder what's going on in your life. And you throw your hands up in frustration. Uh, and you say, why me? And why here? And why now? And why, God, are you allowing these things to happen? Uh, you need to listen to what I'm about to tell you. As the promise draws near, uh, the devil always multiplies his efforts uh, to get you to abandon your future that's what he did to the hebrews he commanded them 
to take their future to the bank of the river and abandon it there. He told them to throw their children uh, to the crocodiles. Uh, when the enemy senses uh, that the time is near, uh, that the promise is about to be fulfilled, uh, you can mark it down, honey. He's going to do everything he can uh, to get you to settle for where you are right here and right now. But I come to declare to you uh, that the time of your promise is now. God's getting ready to do what he promised he would do. There's some, there's, I, I felt it in the prayer room this morning. Someone to the sound of my voice. You're going to stand in a valley of decision this morning. God's calling you. He's trying to renew a passion, a burden, an anointing dreams and visions promises that he has given oh and life has happened to you and you've gotten jaded and calloused and somehow you've convinced yourself this is all there is but I come to tell you God's going to do what he said he would do God's ready to bring his promise to pass he didn't bring you this far to forsake you. He didn't bring you this far to abandon you. He didn't make you a promise to leave you disappointed. He's getting ready to do what he promised he would do. The time of your promise isn't here. Eric Little was fondly called the Flying Scotsman. He was an outstanding sportsman who became well-known for being the fastest man in all of Scotland. In 1924, he represented his country in the Olympics in Paris. And his heroic achievements were later immortalized in a film called The Chariots of Fire. The, the most famous scene from that cinematic classic occurs when Le Little stumbles and falls in the first turn of the 400-meter event. It's a very moving scene, and it is historically accurate with the single exception that the actual event took place a year before the Olympics. Just before the turn of a 400-meter race, the very first turn of a 400-meter race, Little lost his footing, and he fell hard to the infield grass. And momentarily shaken, momentarily dazed he lay there on the infield grass and then he looked up uh, and he saw the other runners uh, and they were already round in the curve uh, and heading into the straightaway uh, after a moment uh, he had to answer an obvious question uh, after such a devastating fall uh, is it even worth it uh, to get up and try again uh, when you've fallen so far uh, that the promise is out of reach uh, is there any sense uh, in getting back up again conventional wisdom says give up throw in the towel there's no sense in trying now you've fallen too far behind but eric little did the unthinkable that runner got back on his feet and he began to run after the other runners when he entered the straightaway he was a full 20 meters behind the pack 
the promise was out of reach. The gold medal he was striving for was beyond his grasp. But little kept running. He gave it everything he had. And before the end of the race, he overtook every other runner. And he collapsed across the finish line in victory. Listen to your pastor on this Sunday morning. Your enemy says there's no sense in trying now. You've lost too much ground. You've gone too far. You've given up too much. He'll tell you the promise is out of reach. You failed one time too many. You didn't keep the faith. You let the enemy rob you of your hope. You let the enemy rob you of your dreams. You haven't been as faithful as you should have been. Or perhaps he's simply telling you that it's been too long because the promise has tarried for such a long time. Amen. It's never going to happen. I don't know exactly what he's speaking into your life, but I know he's going to do everything he can to convince you in the next few moments that it's not worth the effort. Would you stand with me? Because the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost is moving across this place right now. The promise has a time and the time of the promise is near you've wondered why so much adversity and you've wondered why so many struggles you've wondered at the heartache that's entered your home your relationships that's invaded your peace of mind why does it seem like everything's falling apart but I'm doing everything I can to hold it together. I can tell you why. Because your enemy knows what you don't understand yet. The time of your promise is here. He's opposing you. And he's trying to distract you. And he's trying to move you right out of God's destiny for your life. Because he recognizes God's getting ready. God's getting ready to bring some things to pass that were spoken to you on nights far, far away, long, long ago when God spoke purpose and passion and calling into your life. I stand in this pulpit this morning to encourage you to do the unthinkable. Get up. Get off the grass. Get back on the track. Run again. Dream again. Believe again. Pursue the dream one more time. Remember the promise one more time. Dare to believe that God's not finished. I've got a word from heaven for somebody in this place. I've never felt so confident in all my life is what I feel right now. The time of your promise is here. This moment was appointed in destiny before you were ever born. God knew where you were going to be. He knew what you were going to be going through. I didn't know last week that I was going to be preaching this today. But God knew eternity past. 
that you and I were going to stand in this place today and that he was going to deliver a word to you. Your promise is here. Don't stop now. Don't give in now. Whatever you do, don't give up now. There's deliverance in this house right now. There's healing in this. There's emotional healing in this house right now. There's a blessing of the promise of God in this house right now. God's getting ready to open up the floodgates of heaven and turn loose the promise. I'm calling you to make up your mind right here and right now. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of wasting my life. I'm tired of wasting the potential that you've invested in me. I'm tired of wasting the passion and the calling and the dreams that you've given me. I'm ready to let go, God. Let you have your way. I'm ready to let go, God. And let the promise come to pass. In Jesus' name. Why don't you call out to him right now? To call out to him right now.